live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Trying to just grab all the bags, as the kids say. Is that how they say it? I don't know. Whatever. No, stop with the... Where was the question? <laughs> you want to kill me over some pizza? Yes. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go to Thursday. Four sevens is the spot. Get on down here. Happy hour has begun. Two seventy-seven on most of the drinks. Adam Hill is here. Incredible week going down in Vegas. If you hear any media people complain that there's too much to do, uh, unfollow them and hate them forever. So everyone in the media, shut up. Uh, this is for the fans, which is very cool. Pro Bowl, Shrine Bowl today. Pro Bowl. This weekend, we're uh, getting ready for the NHL All-Star Weekend. And obviously, we got some stuff today with uh, UNLV football, UNLV basketball a little later on, NBA. Lots with the Raiders as the coaching staff is coming together. More on Brian Flores, more on Jim Harbaugh. So, loaded show today. Let's do it. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. God Almighty, before the end of the show, Brian Flores, please get hired by the Texans or the Saints. How dynamite would that be? So Pro Bowl is in town. I know you're running around town covering the different events. I guess yesterday was a weird one, right, because it's almost embargoed because they were taping for TV today, and uh, you were out there covering it. How was it? Not even almost embargoed, Steve. It Literally, if you... Try to get in. They tell you a condition of getting in the building is not telling anybody the results. And that includes, by the way, fans. Fans were admonished over and over again to not tweet about it, not talk about it. How would, they like, st- how would they stop that? It's like being on jury duty. How would they stop that? I-, I don't know. But I will tell you this. I think it worked. Like last night I put some searches on my tweet deck yeah. to try to find out who might have leaked out some stuff. Because I was like, I wonder if, it, how, if people listen to this. Looks like they did. I could barely. I found like a couple of things here and there yeah. about some of the results, but I think people did a good job of listening to the rules and not putting it out there. First of all, I think it's silly. Um, I don't think it's going to affect whether people or not if you know the results. Um, as I pointed out last night, let's say how many people. If if I mean, yeah, if a media person tweets it out, maybe a lot of people end up seeing it. It's like retweeted, or whatever. If a random person puts it out, what a couple hundred people see it, and does any of those people out of the two million that are going to watch it not watch because of that? Beth at Vegas FAC 2017 went to the Pro Bowl NFL skills contest yesterday at LV Ballpark. I just messaged her. It's not really a message. I'm just tweeting at her. What happened? Who won? <laughs> Let's go. Uh, again, I think it's fairly silly. But, you know, in the end, uh, not allowed to talk about it. It's... It's one of those things. You're either there or you're not, and the whole world will find out in an hour, I suppose. I I actually had to – now I have to pretend how, I would figure out how to say this. I, w- I did a story because I couldn't – obviously couldn't write about what happened. So I did a story just about how – like you said, this is, a, this is a week for fans. And fans got to see people up close. I, I You know, I, there was a guy – I don't know how anybody feels about this. There's a guy in all Packers gear with a cheese head on who said he was very excited to meet Kirk Cousins. And I was like, what? Do people know that you 
you like Kirk Cousins? And he said, I just like good, I just like good people. And he seems like a good person. I was like, I don't think you're allowed to say this in Packers gear, but wow. um, he also got Russell Wilson's autograph, which makes more sense because he's from Wisconsin. Um, it's it just, it was one of those things where you're talking to fans, but a couple fans, I asked, what was your favorite part? And I wanted to put that in the story and I couldn't because they kept saying when such and such lost his event, we really liked that. I was like, okay, well, I'm really not allowed to use that either, I suppose. If you can't say who won, you can't really say who lost. Joe Burrow was in the skills competition, but not in the Pro Bowl. Wait, what? Wait, what's happening here? That's a good point. I'm misreading that one. All right. <laughs> yeah, uh, what else is here? You're trying to find it? It's skills challenge, by the way. If that uh... Skills challenge. Yeah. I did NFL skills. Okay. It's tough to find them, isn't it? Mm. There was a there was a uh, 40. Oh, is that right? And I did find somebody who tweeted out the result of that uh, because it was maybe surprising. Okay. But it was like somebody had like eight followers, and I didn't see any like retweets or anything of it. Damn, the NFL did it. Kept a big secret. (laughs) Dude, I I can I'll show you the photo. I took a photo. The giant screens all around the all around the uh, LV ballpark were just like, do not tell anybody what. Oh my (laughs) god. Okay. How uh, how was practice that I heard, uh, or by the look of it, it didn't look like it, the most intense practice. I mean, they weren't they weren't going hard. Uh, we're going to talk to Mark McMillan later as he's getting ready to go to the Shrine Bowl tonight, and uh, I saw him tweet out I think reaction to maybe your photo and just saying it looked like sevens and everyone's in like you know just a t-shirt. It, put it this way. I mean, I don't blame him. What, are you going to get injured or kill yourself over a freaking Pro Bowl? The most physical contact that we saw the, the entire day was. Um, Tyreek Hill went to try to make a catch and he jumped and he kind of fell down. Ooh, and oh it was no. like it was like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. whoa. no <laughs> jumping, no trying to catch, don't do anything. Certainly no hitting. Don't run. And also, I, I will say like I will say this, and you know that like this is common sense. You know, a lot of times we we see things that are common sense, but you really have to see them to drive them home. Like when I was younger, I used to get so mad at the Pro Bowl for like. No exotic blitzes. You know, the defenses can't do much. It's just, it's four-man rush, really no blitz, nothing exotic, no exotic coverages, and the offense is kind of the same way. They just kind of go over and run routes, and I'd get so mad. I'm like, run something. What are you doing? These are pro players. You can do something. But then you realize, like, okay, what are you going to make guys get in, go study film all day? Like, it, that's silly. I think, that you know, it, it makes a lot of sense that the game is played the way that it's played. And, uh... One of my favorite moments of today, I, I was talking to A.J. Cole, Raiders Raiders punter, and he said... Shocker. He said... Yeah, Your guy. I seeked him out. Jesus. You love uh, the... I mean, I like punters, too, and I like long snappers and kickers, but, man, with A.J. Cole, what a man crush. And A.J. said uh, that he, he got exactly zero punts in today at practice, and he said... If it's fourth down, I'm running to coach and be like, dude, go for it. Nobody wants this. He said, my parents don't even want to see me in the Pro Bowl. Nobody likes punters. Uh, All-Star Weekend is here for the NHL. They'll have their skills competition tomorrow, and then the game goes down on Saturday. Mark Stone and uh, Alex Bertrangelo and Johnny uh, Marcheseau will all be involved in different skills. Stone, that uh, Bellagio Fountains face-off. Got to shoot, what, five pucks into targets? Least amount of time. Petrangelo, breakaway challenge. Marshy, accuracy shooting contest All okay right. it'd be cool stuff be cool stuff it's another cool event in town and then the game goes down on saturday it, it's pretty interesting i saw the uh, master of all events in la and vegas 
King of Vegas, Arash, was talking about get-in price. As of last night, 115 for the All-Star game, 80 for the Pro Bowl. Hmm. Either one of those sound out of line? No, it sounds about right. Too cheap, too expensive? I think it sounds about right. I mean, you, you would think a lot of people... Well, first of all, same night, or same weekend, excuse me. Um, and I don't know how much crossover there is. So it's tough to travel here, though everybody's coming here. Pretty expensive if you want to travel. If you're local, I guess if you want to go see... Again, neither it, it, you're not seeing a real game, and that's what it is. It's more... And I know that there was the conversation this morning around the Pro Bowl practice of, like, how do you even describe... It's not a game. How do you describe it? Somebody said a celebration of football. Yeah, it's like, like an NFL party. Yeah, and so... I get it. You don't want to pay a ton of money uh, to go out and and watch a glorified practice, essentially. But it is as 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 we said. It's the fans that were there at practice were loving it. The fans that were there yesterday uh, were so fired up just to be close in close proximity to some of the biggest stars. Uh, it's the same with the NHL. Um, but I, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think those prices seem about right. Uh, there's a lot of events around both the Pro Bowl and the NHL All-Star Game, uh, and that includes the fanfare. The fanfare for the NHL. It's the uh, fanfare brought to you by Truly Hard Seltzer. You can go on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. It's open right now. It's in the West Hall of the Las Vegas Convention Center. Must attend for the hockey fan. We'll give away tickets right now. Two of them. 364-1100, 364-1100. Caller number seven, if you uh, want your own tickets, you can go to NHL.com fanfare. NHL.com slash fanfare. But right now, Ari will uh, give you a couple of tickets. Caller 7364-1100 is the number. Raiders, there's a lot of scuttlebutt around the front office and hires and guys being added to the staff, guys being retained, guys being told they're not on the staff. We'll get to all the latest updates on the way back. Right here on Cofield and Company live at Silver 7's on this Thursday. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. I look forward to the challenge of trying to grow uh, not only Derek, but you know everybody on the roster to try to reach our potential. I never feel like a player is a finished product, and our job as coaches is to continue to identify places where we might be able to get better. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. Silver 7's on this Thursday. We're getting more and more information on the why and the how of how Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, you hear McDaniels there, how they were hired, the whole process. We'll get into that. I want to get into, at some point during the show, why Rich Passaccia is gone, according to Mark Davis. That's interesting. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield. Raiders are moving quick. First of all, uh, retention of Edgar Bennett. That came down yesterday. Why is that a big deal? I don't mean that my delivery is not to insult Edgar Bennett, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's... When when you hear fans and you talk to fans and, and see what they want to say, like, they want, you know, they want Rich Passaccia back as a special teams coach. It doesn't, doesn't make any sense. There's a lot of reasons why. 
Um, they want Gus Bradley back as a defensive coordinator. That's technically still possible. I don't. I don't think it makes any sense either. Um, but a guy like a position coach, like there is, there is, I think, value in that. Um, I do think it's important to have some sort of, some sort of stability, some sort of hey, this guy worked out well with this guy. I mean, obviously, what he did with Hunter Renfro was great. Uh, Hunter Renfro talked about that today over uh, at Pro Bowl practice, and you know he's been such a good coach and such a good uh, influence that you know it makes a lot of sense for him to be back. Uh, you want some of those guys that have relationships with the players that can relate to them, have been around. You don't want all new people coming in, but you also don't want like Rich Pisacci would be as much as I love him, and I think the players would love to have him around. The fans would as a special teams coach. Like it creates too much controversy. Of, not controversy. That's not the word. There's the confusion of hey that that's our head coach. This new guy's our head coach. Well, like, are we with him or him? And like, there's just too much of that. And as much as I think they could work together well, like I don't think it would be a problem necessarily. Yeah, the, the message you. is confusing. It's a problem for the players. Yeah. Uh, from this standpoint, you had a bunch of guys put out on social media how much they love Rich Passaccia. I don't know. You know, Raiders get off to a 0 4 start and. You know, it's not exactly going great with McDaniel's, and you know, all of a sudden you got the guy right there. Yeah. Look, they're looking over like, "Well, why isn't he that coach? Yeah. I don't like this new guy." Oh yeah, you know, it, this this ain't working. Makes no sense. So I, I think it would be a problem from that perspective, and I think Gus Bradley is along the same lines too. I mean, I think um, I, again, for selfish reasons, I would like not that I, you know, who knows how it's going to work out. I thought Gus Bradley was very honest, and I, I thought. You know, a lot of the, the questions that I, like, I particularly asked him, I thought he was, like, he kind of knew where the questions were coming from, what, you know, what we wanted to hear as far as, like, what we wanted to explain and that sort of thing. And I thought he was good about that. So, selfishly, I love it. But I, I think they're, just for the same reason with Passaccia, I, I think there's, you know, it, it, there's some there's some confusion. I, I, don't, I don't rule it out, but I just, I don't expect it. The cool thing for both Passaccia and Bradley, highly coveted. Oh, yeah. So, they'll have no problem. You know, they're walking away from this if they do both walk away. They're walking away from this with lots of potential opportunities out there. Uh, Raiders are starting to build the front office, so tell us about Champ Kelly, who was in for an interview for the GM gig. Yeah, and a guy that's that's worked with them before, uh, with McDaniels and with Ziegler, and has a relationship. And it was kind of when this was trending toward this uh, direction, the, the last couple of days before the hire was announced, there's a lot of speculation that uh, that this would happen, that Champ Kelly would come in, and it's a role they didn't, they didn't have before. They didn't have an assistant GM. They just had, you know, the scouting department, and then Mike Mayock kind of overseeing all of them. Um, they kind of created this job for him because they wanted him here, and they they trust him a lot. They want to work with him, and I think he's a, another bright young mind uh, that probably will be a GM very very soon. He's had several different interviews for it, and uh, but for right now, he's on their staff. So the, the Champ Kelly influence could be, hey, I got a DC for you. So what's happening here? So Sean Desai is in. Um, by the way, very, very gifted man. A couple of uh, advanced degrees. Uh, I think he has two master's degrees. Uh, from, let me look up the from Columbia. Let me look up the PR release on this one. Actually, it was oh, a boy. tweet from uh, someone on your paper. Um, let's see, master's degree in higher and post secondary education at Columbia. Doctorate in educational administration from Temple. Uh, no, check that. Doctor in Educational Administration and then an adjunct professor for at uh, Temple. So there you go. Highly educated. Pretty so. smart guy. Yep. Another, uh, another uh, football person you'll be covering who's smarter than you. Uh, like we'll see. Um, we'll see. So I'll I, take on that challenge. As this uh, this was kind of surfacing and we knew Sean decided I was going to get an interview, um, I did, uh, I would say, track down. It was, it was a bit of an adventure this morning uh, getting Robert Quinn uh, from the Bears. 
uh, and I talked to him uh, a little bit about Sean Desai. Actually, it was it was great because I said, "Hey, I just wanted to ask you real quick uh, about you know Sean Desai," and he's like, "Why?" And I said, "Well, he's he's interviewing in Vegas." He's like, "No way! That's awesome! That's really good for him. I you know I, I hope he gets that." Um, and then he he went on to talk about him, and I thought uh, give give some really good perspective about. Um, he said Sean Desai a lot. He's focused a lot on coverage uh, and secondary stuff, and Quinn was like, you know, obviously that doesn't involve me. He's like, but I, I see how he handles all that, and I see how he handles us up front. Um, he said one thing about Desai is he's going to tell you, like, the truth in a straightforward manner, and if you can't handle it, you're in trouble. <laughs> that's what that's what Quinn was saying. Quinn's like, I handled it. I loved it. He's like, I don't think everybody does, uh, but he, he seemed to really like Desai uh, both on the record and off the record. I'll say that. And, uh, yeah, good. Uh, it, was, uh, it was good stuff from him. And, some good insight into what the Bears or what the Raiders could potentially be getting from the Bears. How many other DC candidates will they talk to, or could this be the end of the road? I mean, I think that that's who they wanted. Um, this was again, like with Kelly, um, all the speculation before you know what it was like. Hey, it looks like McDaniel's and Ziggler are going to have the job. There was well, that means that you know it's probably going to be shot to size the defensive coordinator, uh, and it looks like it's at least trending in that direction. It, it could go wrong, and we'll we'll talk about things that can go wrong in interviews, like with Jim Harbaugh a little bit, but um, it seems like it's it's trending in a pretty positive direction for Desai. Enjoy 77-cent Bud Light bottles during Vegas Golden Knights games at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. In free agency in the NFL, players usually go to the most money. Well, these kids are 17, 18 years old. They're going to go to where they're paid the most. I'm not complaining. It just is what it is. Whenever there's things created, there's a lot of times problems people didn't think about, you know, and so you just legalize paying players what people used to cheat. Live from the William Hill Sportsbook, Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Oh boy, Lane Kiffin, always ready to break the mold, being brutally honest there. Reaction to, hey, let's just you know open it up, pay the players. I'm sure guys like Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher will be rolling over on their graves on that one. They're both alive. <laughs> Jimbo flipped out yesterday because everyone's like, wow, you're a solid program, but not great, and you just got the number one class in the country? I wonder what happened. So he went on the offense and was like, we're not paying. <laughs> okay. I mean, you call it what you want. At least Lane Kiffin's being honest about it. And clearly, Ole Miss is doing something. Well, one, his reputation as a, a quarterback whisperer, as long as he stays there, he'll always be able to get a top-five quarterback transfer, and he just did. He was in on a bunch of guys. Caleb Williams was one of them. He went to USC. And uh, Jackson Dart goes from USC down to Ole Miss. So. so I think that's a big strength for Kiffin, but there's no doubt. I mean, Ole Miss already has a history of cheating anyway. You Freeze is gone because he was cheating. The only way Ole Miss has ever won in the history of the SEC is to cheat. Hugh Freeze is a man of God. He does not cheat. And, and same for Mississippi State. So good stuff there from Lane Kiffin. So we have an all-star game in town today. Uh, tailgate's going down right now. You can still get tickets. 5 o'clock kickoff for the East-West Shrine Bowl. And the money for the tickets goes to benefit a great cause. And we have the, you know, the same deal later in the year with our Shriners golf tournament. It's the uh, Shriners hospitals that benefit here. And we were out there yesterday at a media event. It was great. All the kids were out there, uh, current patients, former patients, talking about their experiences. That was awesome. They got to meet the players. It's a good collection of uh, players who are going to be in this game, including guys like Skylar Thompson, a quarterback, K-State guy. Brock Purdy is there. I talked to D.R. King yesterday. That was cool. You know, Houston and 
Miami quarterback. One of the guys I caught up with was actually Ronnie Rivers, who I'm a big fan of, and I got to watch, you know, covering UNLV. Ronnie Rivers is a freaking beast, real beast, you know. But he's actually not that big. But I think he is one of the best NFL prospects as a guy who can stick around as a running back for eight or ten years because he's very versatile. We got into all that in our conversation. Started out the convo. Here's Ronnie Rivers as we uh, talked about the unique experience. This is uh, the Shrine Bowl is unlike really any other uh, one of these uh, college football all-star games. Yeah, for sure. It's been a great experience here. Um, definitely a new experience. Fun. Uh, get to go out there, compete, get to hang out with the kids. Uh, it, it's definitely been an enjoyable time. You also have the uh, unique background of having a dad who played in the NFL. So what what did he tell you? What's he told you along the way about you know, how you're going to get in the league, how you're going to stay in the league, and what to expect at stuff like this? Yeah, just uh, you know, be your best and always work on improving. Um, always continue uh, focusing on bettering yourself and uh, studying the game, studying your playbook, and make sure you have a, a plan when you get into the league. I've also been asking most of the guys from outside the market about the stadium, but you're familiar with it. Yeah, for sure. I played here once in uh, 2020, and uh, yeah, it's a beautiful stadium. Definitely by far the best stadium I've ever been in. So it's a, it's a, it's a great, great place to be. It's a weird question, but I think it's applicable. When you go on the road and you get on certain fields as a running back, do you kind of know you're like, hey, I like this field, I don't like this one. Like, I wonder when you came here, because you looked fast when you were here. Yeah. I mean, I, I know it was on, I'm going to point radio people, radio listeners can't see it. I know you were on that sideline over there, and I was in the stands. Uh, you know, that was a COVID year, so there's probably about 200 of us here. Um, do you get on certain fields and you're like, oh, boy, this could be a good one? Yeah, you can definitely tell the difference. Um, every, every field, every turf has a different feel. So uh, something that's, you know, this nice and this new, uh, it makes you feel faster. You know, something people never talk about. I'm trying to think of the game I watched the other day. And just There was a slow-mo. It was one of the NFL games, a slow-mo. And someone went down, and they just they, they bounced. Yeah. And I always think, like, I don't think people realize, especially as a running back, you are going down all the time. It, it freaking hurts. Um, I wonder from stadium to stadium, that's the other thing. Like, when you play on some old turfs, you know, you guys aren't, you know, it's not like you're playing in the 80s where they used to play in concrete. But, like, do you think about that stuff? Like, hey, maybe today's going to be a little bit easier because I'm not going to get broken in half on this old field. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, you could definitely tell the difference. Uh, you know, some games you'll you'll go down and you won't leave without as as many cuts. But there's other turfs that you know will leave you pretty pretty beat up. Ronnie Rivers is with us. Do you feel like you have a, a unique skill set um, in terms of being? a dual threat running back. Not every running back gets a lot of passes out of the backfield, and I think that was a really big part of the Fresno offense, and you're good at it. You're good at catching the ball in the backfield. Yeah, I think that's key for me, just being a versatile back, being able to, you know, catch the ball, make something happen in space, you know, as, as well as run the ball downhill and uh, pass protect. So, you know, that's going to be, you know, huge for me at the next level. I'm going to put my safety in jeopardy, right, because we're looking at each other. I'm not the biggest guy. I'm fat. I'm, I'm a lot heavier than you. Um, because I've asked all the running backs this, just straight out. Are you big enough to make it to the NFL? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know, I've seen, you know, guys my size or even shorter or, you know, lighter make it. And, uh, you know, the game's changing a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of shorter running backs are are thriving in the league right now. So, yeah, I'm definitely big enough to make it. And it's probably one of those things that actually gives you a natural chip on your shoulder because there's going to be that question, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, I've always had that chip on my shoulder just to prove to, you know, everybody wrong that, you know, 
it doesn't matter about your size, it matters what's in your heart. You know, what's in your heart. Yeah, we had a guy here who put up monster numbers in, in you know Charles Williams, and you know Charles isn't the biggest guy, but you're right. If you you really look at the NFL, I think people assume you know everyone is you know six two and two hundred twenty five pounds playing running back in the NFL, and that's not the case. The other thing with running backs, you know, I was talking to uh, Rutgers uh, Isaiah Pacheco earlier, and one of the first things he said was special teams. So that yeah. that could be in your future. Yeah, that's you know definitely definitely key in in order to make a team. Um, you know, I. I did punt return for all five years in Fresno, so you know that adds value. And just being able to do punt return, kick return. Uh, I'm running down on kickoff this week. I'm, yeah. I'm uh, a punt return uh, left end, so you know I'm excited to showcase that. You know I could do a little bit more than just return. Fresno's football program is one of the more unique programs in the country because of the coaching turnover. Like I, there's not many places where there's a coach there, new coach comes in. He leaves, and then the old coach comes back. So, can they keep this seamless and make the transition and continue to be a program that's you know seven plus wins? Uh, yeah, for sure. They got a lot of great guys coming back. Uh, coach Tedford's back, and you know he's a great coach. Um, so I know he'll have those guys right. That will be interesting to see if uh, older Jeff Tedford, who walked away, I think in part because he was just kind of getting tired, if he'll be good this second time around at Fresno State. Ronnie Rivers will make the league. He may have to bounce around a little bit, you know, to a bunch of different rosters, but I think he's uh, he'll be a valuable running back in the National Football League, and he is not big. Like, he's he's a thick guy. He's got gigantic legs, so he's probably 205 pounds, but he's 5'8". I was going to say, I think I saw uh, you interviewing him, and it looked like uh, he was talking to his right guard. <laughs> well, as you know, I'm actually growing yeah. uh, in width and I have pointed out in recent photos that my head is growing. Sure. I've got gigantism of the head. So at some point, I will have the head of a 6'7 offensive lineman. Andrew? What is that? The, oh, am I using Andrew Steen? Yeah. That's an old one. That's an old term. <laughs> I am not. I mean, Mark McGuire had a huge head. I'm excited to see this game tonight. You're going to see a lot of guys um, who actually are switching positions, too. We talked to Armani Rogers yesterday, and Armani's all in, former UNLV quarterback on going to tight end and uh, D.R. King's another guy I talked to who's like yeah I'm in man I'm in on receiver he's a little guy so uh, we saw you know it's funny I was looking back to see I was going to make some crazy segue to uh, Byron Leftwich which we'll talk about in a little bit I was seeing if he played in the East West Shrine game it looks like he didn't but I was looking at the quarterback roster from 2002 because you can find this stuff and one of the guys on the roster was one of my favorite players in college and uh, also in the NFL Antoine Randall L. Oh, I love that guy. So any guy who's like 5'8", 5'9", 5'10", 5'11", quarterback, that's that's one of the models. Well, I'm now, sorry, it's, like, now it's Kyler Murray. No, I mean to going to receiver. Oh, like yeah, you were yeah, a really yeah. good college quarterback. You can have a, an 8-, 10-year career at wide receiver, but you got to follow the example of a guy like that. Oh, I'll give you one for Armani Rodgers right now. Logan Thomas. Yeah. Logan Thomas was a very good quarterback he was a good in quarterback college. Quarterback at VTech, yep. Yeah, and, and, and massive dude. And talking to some of the coaches around the Shrine game yesterday, just their thoughts that you know, it, yes, it's a tough transition. You got to put a lot of work into it. But one thing is, you know, as a tight end, understanding routes and and why you're running certain routes, and especially understanding his own, you got a head start yeah. on that one. Travis Kelsey, early in his college career, was a quarterback. Oh, it, he threw one today, not great. It's been a while. It's been a while. You do lose it. You yeah. do. You do lose it. Believe me, at, at UNLV practices, I would watch every once in a while of uh, Vic Viramontes, who was like a top 25 quarterback when he first went. I think I can't remember if he went. Maybe it was Minnesota, but uh, 
He could throw it, but you know, you, you get bigger. It's not as easy to throw well, the ball. Well, you know what it is. It's and we talk about this with basketball. Like a lot of people, you go watch somebody shoot, and if they make like five in a row, you're like, oh, good shooter. No, I don't care if the ball goes in or not. You watch them. You watch their form. Right. And if their form is good, then you know that they can shoot. Doesn't Kelsey, matter what the results are. Kelsey throw. And I was going to say Kelsey's form was great. The yeah. ball just did not come over his hands well. <laughs> All right, we'll get back into uh, this. Lawsuit, a lot of analysis out there from a lot of different attorneys. And by the way, I would listen to attorneys on this rather than sports writers and sports radio guys. Xavier Pope, uh, attorney out of Chicago, joins us every Thursday. He's going to break down what's going on with Brian Florio and his case across many fronts around the NFL. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Thursday, Silver Sevens, and it's time to uh, bounce back into the latest on the Brian Flores versus the NFL case. Our good friend Xavier Pope, attorney out of Chicago, is up with us on these Thursdays. Looking at this for a day and a half now, Xavier, you tell me, is this more of a PR move by Team Brian Flores, or is this a real lawsuit? Yeah, it's a real case. He's sued the National Football League. It's a complaint. It's been filed. I think that just because you as a as a lawyer have never seen it before doesn't mean it, it isn't legitimate. Uh, and I think that Brian Flores is alleging discrimination of the National Football League that we've all seen. He's Mike Tomlin right here. Uh, we see other coaches not being hired. Uh, we, see, we're, we see what happened with Steve Wilkes in the Arizona Cardinals. We saw what happened to Joe Judge getting his job in the New York Giants instead of Candidates like Eric Bieniemy and Byron Leftwich. Uh, uh, we, we've seen Jim Caldwell um, leave the Lions' job, be their most successful coach in recent memory, and then being trashed after he left. Uh, we, we've seen it time and time again. Um, so there is a legitimate complaint by Brian Flores. Now, whether um, it's ripe enough is another story in terms of him bringing that suit when he still had two interviews to go. To, to me, um, that's the PR part that you can look and see what he's angling to get one of those two jobs. Um, I don't necessarily think that may be an effective strategy. I think that he probably should have filed this complaint after those two interviews. Uh, and But at the same token, he could still amend this complaint after that period is over as well. So I'm glad you mentioned all of the stuff that has happened and is happening. And that's why I said, is is this a PR deal or does he have a real case? Because within the case, I think there's a lot of things to be examined in terms of evidence. Can you bring in all of that other stuff to say, hey, this is what it's been like, you know, the last 50 or 20 years? Or do we have to just stick in the case to what Flores is claiming? I think that depends on what happens with certification of the class. Um, this is a class action suit that's been brought and uh, it hasn't been certified yet. So before a, a case is certified, you need a requisite number of class of plaintiffs to fit in that place. You also need to make sure that they have some of the same circumstances as you, whether it be offensive coach, defensive coach, quarterbacks coach, or head coach being interviewed for the job. Some of the, some of the complaints were sham uh, interviews. And it was also, they were treated differently when they were hired in terms of compensation. And then, having their reputation is damaged after they left those franchises. I just explained to you different circumstances where that fits. Um, that has to come out in some form of discovery. And I think the big whopper in all of this was something that you would normally be able to obtain in discovery. And if you get past summary judgment motion to, to dismiss is a text message to, from Bill Belichick. Um, and that's this one of the, I wouldn't say it's a smoking gun, but it's a smoking opening 
um, when you have uh, you have nothing to lean on other than his experiences, but now there's something that's documented that has to obviously be authenticated um, to bring a suit to bear and get past a summary judgment motion, and that's what the NFL is afraid of. Yeah. So in a class action suit, essentially, are both sides now in a race because the NFL is going to want to have this thrown out as quickly as possible. Meanwhile, the plaintiffs as a group need more people to jump on board with the class action suit. But I guess there's a little bit of a timeline here because let me tell you, it would be great, I'm sure, to get guys like Jim Caldwell involved, Marvin Lewis involved, the recently fired David Culley. So what happens in term of in terms of a timeline? Like when you file a class action suit and you don't have everyone you uh, you want involved in the class, are you up against it from a time standpoint? Many different motions, many different procedures have timelines in terms of filing and getting them into the court. Um, and they also can be extended. And they also, those extensions also uh, can be granted as well by a judge. And so it really depends on the case. Um, and I think that in this particular case, um, we don't know. <laughs> it could be just Ryan Flores. You heard Hugh Jackson come out and say some things which brought some hilarious uh, Cleveland Brown memes that uh, if they were offering me to pay $100,000, uh, I would have taken it because they were going to lose anyway. Um, but no, I think that that timeline really depends on who steps up. It, you know, it may prove that this is moot. It's really early on in the process. The legal process does not play out as fast as social media. It just happens. Right, week. right. <laughs> okay, so uh, Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, comes out with a statement, and I saw the word defamatory. Is there a chance there are going to be folks involved in this on the other side of the allegations that will go after Brian Flores and sue him? I laughed when I saw that. Stephen Ross was just mad. <laughs> it's late at night, too, when that came out. So he's sitting up watching all the news, and he's stewing, and he uses words like defamatory. The, the thing with a suit of defamation is the defense to defamation is truth. Uh, so there has to be evidence presented in order to corroborate that and why does Stephen Ross even want that? I mean, he doesn't want that smoke. Uh, yep. <laughs> so I think he's just talking. That's that's a lot of well, this this kind of goes back to we had this discussion for years and years and years about uh the baseball uh, baseball steroid scandal. Um you know, even like Pete Rose, like do you really want to open it up to a full examination of your side because then that's when things get really ugly. So it it always seems to be this empty threat and no one ever follows through on it. The other thing, in talking to attorneys and reading a bunch of you know feedback in this case, we're talking about the Brian Flores case. Xavier Pope, attorney out of Chicago, is uh, always on with us here at Silver Sevens on Thursdays. A lot of people jumped on the $100,000 offer for losses and said, hey, that is a violation of this Sports Bribery Act. Um, is there something here? I mean, could we get the feds involved? I mean, do you think the feds are going to get involved in the National Football League's business at this point? I think that's something further down the line is something to be, to be proven to that effect. I mean, right now, all we have is Brian Flores' claim. Um, we're, we're not at a stage where there's any evidence to show um, that this actually happened. Uh, to be able to waste government resources to go after the National Football League, a huge league making billions of dollars, I mean, and then you'll be wasting millions and billions of dollars in taxpayers' money. I, I don't think that that's an effective use of resources, and I don't think it will happen at this preliminary stage in the game. don't necessarily think it won't happen, but I think that's important to understand we're still way early on. 
And you you talked about you know being early on in the whole thing, and these these will drag out for a long time. I saw a note last night that the initial pretrial conference in this is March 18th. At that point, um, I guess the purpose of the conference is to discuss a proposed case management plan. Yeah, this sounds like an arduous process. Exactly. It's a case about organizing the case. Hey, hey, we're going to come. And then you'll be like, I mean, that's how court works. Like, I'm going to, we're going to make a, a, we're going to make a meeting about making another meeting. That's essentially what it is. All right. So let's talk about the, the real interview, sham interview. How hard is that? I mean, because I've, I've heard a lot of people defending, you know, each one of the teams. How do you how do you know what a real interview and a sham interview is? Tough. I mean, you're essentially having to prove some, some form of in, uh, intent. But you, uh, I think Marvin Lewis, he talked about uh, being interviewed and then it was on TV. He can find out about a hire of a job. He didn't say anything. So um, I think the NFL isn't as buttoned up as people would like to think, in my opinion. Uh, I just think that it's just a matter of, of whether people want to step up and then whether those documents, whether what's happening will be uncovered, really. If we apply it to the real world, I'm, I think we've all seen cases where you may have done an interview and you were kind of the outsider and you had very little shot at it. I mean, I'll, I'll give you – to go back to football, I think the way the – the Vikings thing just worked out. Patrick Graham, African-American uh, D.C. from the Giants, interviews on Tuesday for nine hours. Harbaugh uh-huh. comes in. Harbaugh comes in, talks to the Vikings for a long time. And then within minutes of Harbaugh going, you know what, I'm going back to Michigan, then the then the leak comes out, oh, the Vikings are hiring the 37-year-old uh, white guy, offensive coordinator, from the Rams. Like, did Graham, did, like, did Graham participate in? in a sham interview or hey the interview just didn't go you know the way that he needed it to to overcome what they already thought about kevin o'connell i think that that has to be sought out in some form of discovery if it even came to that case in terms of what emails were sent any notes were written down okay they have do they have sort of rankings you know they're on some sort of you know board uh, hey this is it's what we like about one guy versus another. We just don't know that. And that's something that, you know, that's not going to be readily apparent on the surface. So I, I think this whole thing in the end is going to be great for discussion and fostering change. And we're going to have a lot more stories. And, and right now, like, like the Giants, you know the New York market, the fans, the media are all over on each side. The Hey, the Giants are racist. The Maras are racist. And yesterday we saw Tiki Barber, who played for the Giants, who does radio in New York, go on local radio and start breaking down. And he was telling a story about, you know, being around Wellington Mara and the family as Wellington was on his way to passing away. I went to his bedside. He's still alive at this point. Mm-hmm. And I just tell him, thank you for making me a giant. And, you know, the fact that the Maras, they embraced me like like I was family. You know what I mean? And so I know them intimately. So when I say I don't believe they're racist, it's because I, I know they're not. For me, it was like you needed to recuse yourself from that particular situation just because you are treated individually well by white people as a black man doesn't necessarily mean they are not racist towards black people. Um, I call it the proximity paradox and people not necessarily seeing the racism right there in front of them because of the the selective treatment that they get. But it also may be transactional running back with the team. Uh, How would happen to the? hundreds of guys that were traded and were cut. They didn't get that call. Um, so I think it's important to 
to recognize, hey, you may be in this situation in terms of right where you are as it relates to you, um, but you know it may be different for other people. And also, I think also that was kind of taken out of context some of the things that Tiki said because he was responding to someone saying, "Do you think that the Mars are racist?" And he would just speak from his personal perspective. The problem is he expanded that personal perspective to include everyone else. And that just was short-sighted on his behalf. You know, there's more stuff coming out on Snyder and the environment. And I hope this doesn't turn into just an echo chamber where people ignore it. But uh, HBO had a podcast that they, uh, they were talking to more of um, the victims describing the work environment for years and years and years. And I just wanted you to listen uh, to this one and have the audience listen to this one. Fire this, Ari. So I'm sitting at my desk. And this player just walks up and says whatever he says, and he drops his shorts, and his complete—he is completely naked, just exposed, and basically inviting me to take part right there in broad daylight in the middle of the office, in the middle of the workday, and no one around said anything. No one thinks anything of it. He laughs. He walks back to practice or back to meetings wherever he went, and he is married. It's just normal. And then he did it to at least one other woman. Uh, so there's a lot of stories around this team, this organization. And the, the thing that I found amazing is a lot of the stories do involve Dan Snyder in action or right there, not doing anything about it. And I don't know how people continue to say, well, Snyder had a buffer. He didn't do any of it. What do you mean he didn't do any of it? That is a ridiculous defense. Yeah, I mean, it's your team. You're responsible for the people that you hire and ensure in a certain work environment uh, and that you are taking – proactive steps and then also having knowledge of it making sure that you change it um it's it's very little that people can say to defend dan snyder at this point but right now the league um relaxed some of his financing requirements to give him to purchase 100 percent of the team uh he, they allowed him to change his name to this team name can't even shorten it can't even what are they the comms, the Manders. I mean, uh, the Manders. You know, I I don't know what people are going to call that team. Uh, I, it it is a m- mistake of the franchise and its missteps. You know, the 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 Native American imagery in their video. Uh, come on, man! Like was, you don't even have to show that uh, as you're moving forward as a team. But that's the Washington um, Commanders, and they will continue to march on just like the rest of the league. Uh, I, I, people criticize the NFL, but nothing changes unless you change the own type of owners that you can bring to the league. And then that has its own set of challenges of who keep, who stays in and keeps out. Remember, there are no African-American owners in the National Football League. That's why we're having this issue in the first place. No diversity leadership. Another case we need to talk about, and I know I'm not going to have the popular stance here because uh, I'm not exactly objective on you know, freedom of expression and freedom of entertainment. I am completely intrigued by the other Spotifyers versus Joe Rogan. And I get very nervous, Xavier, when I see pressure being put on someone to be removed from their gig because of their content. It's in the Constitution is the freedom of contract. We live in a, a partially capitalistic society um, with regulations, obviously. And if enough people weren't saying to Spotify, we're going to stop listening to your content. You know, there's some, there are some issues with their stock for a bit. And what, as long as Spotify felt it was financially feasible to keep Joe Rogan on their platform with 11 million plus users, I mean, listeners per episode, then um, they're going to keep them on. 
Um, and the amount of uh, voices on the, in terms of wanting to get rid of their content on, on Spotify, if it's really not enough economically for Spotify to even consider, they're not going to do it. We saw this earlier with the with Dave Chappelle and what he said. We can complain about it, whether big people will get the platform or not, but I mean, I'm not really seeing that much canceling in that respect. What do you have cooking lately on uh, Twitter Spaces and Suit Up News? Yeah, today I'm actually working on this on this script while I'm talking to you. We're talking more about the blind uh, Brian Flores uh, lawsuit and breaking it down and what it means in society. Uh, also on uh, Twitter Spaces tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. I'm talking more about Brian Flores and talking more about uh, what's going on in trending news and politics and uh, pull up. All right, Xavier. Uh, I know you're busy. Appreciate a couple of minutes, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, man. I'll holler at you. There he is, Xavier Pope, on this Thursday. Time for a giveaway. Slash is in town from Guns N' Roses, February 19th. Show at the theater at Virgin Hotel. Two tickets right now, 364-1100, 364-1100. You can get your own tickets at virginhotelslv.com. Slash, the River is Rising Tour. He's here on February 19th. Tickets start as low as 35 bucks. We've got two free tickets. Talk to Ari, 364-1100, caller 7. 22-ounce Bud Light, Budweiser, or Michelob Ultra, plus two hot dogs and two bags of chips, all for just $7.77 at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino.